I'm going to tell you about seven ways to speed up your website without switching web hosting. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 202. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success over at theaudacitypodcast.com. Your website speed matters a lot to you, to your visitors, whether those be customers or just fans of your show, whether you're a business or just doing this as a hobby. And your website speed matters to your hosting company because you may receive a note at some point from your hosting company saying, you're using too many resources here. We need you to either upgrade or change something on your site, fix something here because you're using too many of these resources. It's bogging down the system. It's slowing down other people's websites. And that can happen really on almost any hosting environment, even if you have a virtual private server, a dedicated server, because A lot of what matters to the resources your website uses are based on decisions that you can make that you may not have known you could make or that you should make, but they do matter to your website and you can change how quickly your site loads. People have done studies that have shown that the faster a site loads, the more likely it is that you'll earn business from it or that people will subscribe to the content on the site. And then the opposite is also true. The slower it loads, the less likely people are going to be to stick around, to subscribe, to consume your content, to buy your products, whatever it is. So I've got seven ways that you can speed up your website without changing your web hosting. And these are free ways. Now I've got a free download for you that has a list of these different tools that I'll be mentioning, as well as some other things and some specifics that I won't get to cover here in the episode. If you want that, you can get it at theaudacitypodcast.com slash faster website tools. And I'd love for you to avail yourself of that resource and get a faster website. So here we go. Seven free ways to speed up your website without switching web hosting. Number one, use a caching plugin. This is the thing that web hosting companies will always recommend. In fact, sometimes it seems like they recommend it blindly that they just say, yeah, use a caching plugin. That'll fix all the problems. And it is true that a caching plugin will often drastically fix a lot of problems. It can also create problems. Caching plugins can be a little bit tricky to use. The two I recommend are W3 Total Cache or WP Super Cache. But a caching plugin will look at the information that your website is constantly requesting from the server and do this thing that we call caching, where instead of making the same request every single time and getting the same information over and over, what a caching server or system will do is it looks to see this is the information you're requesting, this is the information that's returned, instead of your having to request it every single time, let's just serve the thing that we already know you want. In a way, it's kind of like if you want to get water. Instead of having to go back to the refrigerator or the sink every time you want water, you're requesting the same thing. You just want more water, more water, more water. 
Instead of that, imagine if the water magically refilled in your glass or you had a glass that was just always exchanged out for a new glass. That's kind of like what caching is. So caching speeds up things because the server doesn't have to go and fetch this information, run all of these database queries in the background, run all of this complicated PHP, JavaScript, or certain other things that may be going on in the background. The caching serves all of that up as just a static web page. Because WordPress is a database-driven system as well as a PHP-driven system. So behind the scenes, a lot of stuff is going on in order to give you the basic web page that you see that's HTML, no matter what content is on it. It's looking in all of these different places. So a caching plugin will configure it so instead of regenerating the entire page for you, it just serves you a cached version of the page. And cache, by the way, just in case you're not familiar, is spelled C-A-C-H-E in this case. So that's number one. Use a caching plugin. This by itself could dramatically speed up your website, depending on how you have this configured. I really recommend that you check with your web hosting company on their recommended configurations for W3 Total Cache or WP Super Cache, whatever kind of caching plugin that they recommend, ask them for their recommended settings because some servers are a bit different than others and you might think you need something activated when it would actually slow down your site and it wouldn't work very well for a lot of simultaneous visitors. Number two, remove features or plugins. The next thing that really slows down your website Are all of those nice little features that you have on your site, like maybe a social sharing plugin or some kind of interactivity plugin, an animation plugin, or you have your Facebook like box where it shows your latest friends or your latest Twitter updates, something like that. These kinds of features might be something that you've pasted in just with some embed code like a YouTube video or Twitter widget box or anything like that, or it could be a plugin that you've used to specifically add extra functionality to your website. All of these things are creating extra processing load that your server has to handle. It might use more RAM, it might use more CPU, but whatever the case, it's using more resources to run a particular plugin usually. Every plugin will add a little bit more strain to the server. The more plugins you have, the more strain, and certain plugins add a lot more strain than others. The other thing to think about is how many HTTP requests are being made. Don't panic. What that means is how many things are being loaded because of the website. For example, if your website is a basic HTML page and you have an image at the top, an image at the bottom, maybe three different images in the middle then you might have 10 or 20 actual requests because you've got the three images in the middle, two images on the top and bottom, so that's five images. You probably have at least one CSS file, that's seven. You've got some other things, maybe some JavaScript or other CSS files loading that adds up very quickly to the number of requests that you make. And the way that the internet and web browsers work is that the more requests there are, the longer it takes to load. It would be better to have one larger request than a bunch of smaller requests. You'll see the same thing if you end up transferring a lot of files through an FTP manager, where if you're transferring lots of small files, it will take longer 
than one bigger file. There are certain limits to the number of simultaneous connections that can be made to websites. That's one of the things that can slow down the site if there are a lot of requests. But the idea is you want to reduce how many items are being requested. Simply adding an official Facebook like button to your website could add as many as 20 additional requests or even more depending on the technology that they're using at this exact moment. But it can add a lot of requests to your website. And you might be thinking, it's just a button. Yeah, it's a button that's doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes. A lot of JavaScript going on. A lot of images are being loaded. A lot of assets that sometimes just don't have to be loaded. So consider removing some of these things. The biggest offense in this case are social plugins or social widgets that you might have embedded on your site where it's loading stuff from another site, from your Twitter feed, from your Facebook feed, from your YouTube feed, anything like that can slow down your site. So consider removing some of these features or plugins from your site in order to make your site load faster. In the free download that goes along with this episode over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash faster website tools, there's a tool that I list in there that will check for you what the slow plugins are on your website. And also I've got some tools on there that will check your website speed so you can see how quickly is your website loading, what's slowing down your website, what things might you want to remove, how many requests are being made from your website. Caching plugins can sometimes help with that, but not always. It's really back to a decision you have to make of, does this thing really need to be here? Do you really need that Facebook like box on the side? Or can you just put in a regular link to your Facebook page? That's something that you need to consider. So this is number two, remove features or plugins. Think about those plugins too that you barely ever use. Maybe it's like a poll plugin or a contact form plugin or some other plugin that you only use in one very unpopular place. Maybe you should consider removing that so that it's not slowing down your website or those things that you're not using. Those could actually be security concerns for your website if you have all of these plugins lying around that you're not using. So remove features or plugins. That's number two. Number three, Find better plugins. There are a lot of great plugins out there that do some great things, but something about the plugin is not coded very well, and so they will actually slow down your website. Big causes to this are certain search engine optimization plugins, or some plugins that suggest related posts, or many plugins that include social sharing buttons. Those kinds of things can very easily slow down your website if you're not using a good plugin for it. So you don't have to completely remove that functionality. I do recommend that you have social sharing buttons on your website, but you shouldn't use a plugin that will slow down your website. And there are several different plugins that could be a lot better for these things. And your web hosting company may actually let you know that a particular plugin that you're running on your website may be known for causing slowdowns and they may have something else to recommend or not. In my download for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash faster website tools, I list a few of the most popular things, some alternatives to plugins out there 
that will load a lot faster and your web host will like you a lot more if you use these other plugins instead of the bad boys. That's number three, find better plugins. Also look for something that's updated more frequently and that's more likely to keep up with trying to be faster. Number four, remove images. This goes back to the idea of how many things are being requested when your website loads. If you have a lot of images on your site, then every single image has to be requested, waited for, and then downloaded and served back to the web browser. This can add up very quickly, especially if you're using certain plugins that may use a single image for every different icon out there. For example, I won't name a specific plugin, but for example, let's say you have a social sharing plugin and it's loading an icon for Facebook, an icon for Twitter, an icon for Google Plus, an icon for StumbleUpon, and all of those might be separate icon files. So that's four requests. A well-written plugin would give you one request where all of these images are tiled together. And this gets into certain things called CSS sprites, which you don't really have to know about. The main thing you should know about is try to reduce the number of images on your site. Do you really need all of those images displaying on the side? Do you really need all of the featured images to display with each post on the homepage? Maybe the featured image should only display inside of the post. Consider what images you could remove from your site and not hurt it. As you can probably tell, the general idea for how to speed up your site is simplify. The simpler your site is, the faster it will load. It's very hard. I know we get attached to things on our sites and we think, but I love this image. You could maybe pull your audience to ask them, do you like this image? Do you ever click on this image? There are many things like that that you can do. There are other ideas for removing images. Like instead of having an image for a button, maybe you have an actual CSS button instead. And that CSS then loads a lot faster, takes up a lot less space, and your theme might already have something encoded into it that makes great-looking buttons for you. So that's number four, remove images. Number five, if you can't remove the images, then do this, optimize images. When you save an image from a program like Photoshop, Photoshop Elements, or really any program out there, it may not necessarily be optimized for the web. And that optimization could come in one of two, actually one of three forms. One is the file format that's chosen, like PNG or JPEG are the top formats for the web. PNG is great for solid colored images, where there's very little variation between colors There are sharp lines of contrast, solid colors in the background and in the foreground. That kind of thing works really well as a PNG. PNG also supports transparency, where you might have something that has no background whatsoever, or it's slightly transparent, something like that. A PNG is great for that. JPEG is good for a photo, where you do have a lot of variation in colors, where you don't have very sharp lines of contrast. So when you're looking at saving an image from whatever image editor you're using, check to see how big of a file would this be as a PNG, how big of a file would this be as a JPEG. You could even make a decision here, here's a bonus tip, 
in your design for something, if you're designing buttons for your website and you're making individual files or anything like that, you will discover that if you have a solid color flat button, it will take up a lot less space than a button that has a gradient on it. And we're talking image files here, not CSS, but image files, because the more colors and texture there is in an image, the more complicated it is to the computer and therefore the more space it takes up when it saves it. The other thing that you can do besides the image format is the size of the image. How many pixels is it in width and in height? This comes to what you use to make your photos or take your photos. If you've got a digital camera that you use to snap a photo, that image could be 6,000 pixels wide. That is way too big for the web. And if you upload that image as it is to the web, that is too big. So you really need to resize that image down to something smaller. It's generally a good idea to make images the size that they need to be. Your website theme, for example, probably has the ability to crop images or resize them to exactly the size they need to be for certain thumbnails or featured images here or there. And that's good. It will handle that for you. You need to make sure that if you're uploading images yourself, like embedding them in the widgets or the sidebars or anything like that in your theme, in your posts, make sure that you are using the WordPress tools automatically resize your image and you're not uploading a 6,000 by 6,000 image when you only need an image that's 125 pixels by 125 pixels. That's wasting a lot of space and in some browsers it will look really bad too. So resize those images before you upload them. That's another way. That's number two way of optimizing your images. Number three way of optimizing your images is how you compress the images. JPEG is a lot more familiar in how it compresses images to us. And the more you compress an image, the lower the quality gets, the more it blurs certain areas of contrast, and the more you seem to see bigger pixels on the image and blurry details here and there. You don't have to drag it all the way down and say lowest quality. I like to make my images that I use, like photos and such, for the web at either medium or high quality, not very high, not maximum, unless I really need them to be. But at that level of quality, yes, if you look very closely, you will notice blurry edges, blurry details, but your audience won't because your audience is not looking for these things. If you really want to be scared, look at how your podcast cover art, no matter how sharp and beautiful you saved it, look at how it displays in iTunes. Look at it closely, zoom in on it. I hate to distort your vision here, but you're going to find out that they optimize that image. And yes, you lose a little bit of quality. But would you have ever known it before I told you? Or if you didn't know to look for it? I worked with a client recently who had this issue. I helped him with some podcast cover art. And he contacted me later and he said, I noticed that the image is blurry in iTunes. And so I checked all of these things, verified everything, and just had to point out to him, this is the way that these services work, is that they optimize the image for their servers. The average person, though, won't notice that. So what you're trying to do when you optimize an image with the different compression settings is looking for that sweet spot where it's a small file size but you don't notice too much of a visual quality degradation. So those are three ways that you can optimize your images. Number one, 
choose the right format, PNG for solid color images, sharp lines of contrast and such, or JPEG for photographs. Number two, choose the right size, resize those images before you upload them or use WordPress's own resizing options. And number three, optimize your compression of those images. The combination of these things will really give you images that are a lot smaller and thus make your website load a lot faster. I've seen websites before where I visit the site and there are maybe 10 images on the site, but the website is two megabytes in size, which is really big. Yes, a lot of people are getting broadband and well, the majority of the United States has broadband internet now. So they download things a lot more quickly, but still we don't want to slow people down. And in fact, on mobile devices, we're back to slower internet connections and bandwidth limitations. So you don't want to overwhelm whatever connection is out there. Try and get that web page as small as you can. I recommend a target area is about 750 kilobytes or smaller for your complete web page. And if you look at the resources over at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash faster website tools, you'll see some different resources that will tell you how big your website actually is, how much space it's taking up. And you can then see what files are taking up that much space. It might be a JavaScript or a CSS file. You can't really change that. But it might also be an image that you discover, whoa, here's an image that is 500 kilobytes when it really only needs to be 50 kilobytes and you can drastically reduce them that way. So that's number five, optimize images. Number six, display stuff only where needed. There are a lot of plugins that we can add on our sites for cool functionality like social sharing buttons or maybe certain ads or banners or functionality to the sites. But these kinds of things do slow down your site and they can especially slow down the front page of your site when all of these things are loading. I really recommend that you make your front page load as quickly as possible. And a good way to do that is move that stuff off the front page to only where you actually need it to be. You may not need your social sharing buttons for every single post to display on the front page. You might want those to only display when someone actually clicks on a post, a blog post or a podcast episode, and then they see the social sharing buttons. Maybe you don't want the video to display on the front page. It needs to display on your about page. That might be a better place or depending on the kind of video, maybe the front page will be the best thing for it. So think carefully about does this stuff really need to be on the front page or should you maybe bury it inside of one of your other pages where it's a lot more relevant where it is necessary to be on that page. There are several different ways of doing this, and it could just be where you put that code that you're going to use. It could be the plugin that you use. It could also be a particular widget that you want to display on one page, but not others. And there are plugins that do that, like Jetpack is a great solution that provides many of these resources, uh, answers to many of these issues that I'm bringing up, and has different modules to it. And the widget visibility module inside of Jetpack is a great thing to use to be able to say, I want this widget to only appear on this page or to appear on all pages except this page. I've got that and other resources listed 
over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash faster website tools. Think about what is really important for people to see when they get to your site. This may lead you to certain decisions like not displaying your excerpts or your photos of your latest posts, maybe just having a text list. It might mean not having your Facebook fans box on the front page, but maybe it's better on another page. Or it could be something like you have a donation form. Maybe it would be better to have that donation form or email subscription form in a pop-up or in a, a specific page instead of being in the sidebar of your site. Sidebar widgets are big culprits of what can slow down your website, and you can make those display in only certain sections if you want. Check out the tools I mentioned over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash faster website tools. So that's number six, display stuff only where needed. And number seven, offload when possible. This is the whole idea behind media hosting, where we are offloading the media hosting so it's not on your same website server, but it's hosted somewhere else. Yes, that costs. And often offloading stuff does cost, but I promised you these would be free ways that you can speed up your website. So some things that you can do to offload certain tasks are picking the right plugins that do things for you. For example, Shareaholic is a plugin that I really like. I've been using it lately for social sharing buttons. And instead of loading the official buttons, which might account for hundreds of requests on my pages because I load Reddit and Google+, Twitter, Facebook, StumbleUpon, Buffer, all of these things, if I loaded the official buttons, it would really slow down my website. So what Shareaholic does is it loads its version of buttons and its version is actually hosted somewhere else. So when those buttons load on my site, you're not requesting them from my server. You're requesting them from Shareholic's server. The same thing can apply with stuff like related posts. If it's running from your website, then it will slow down your website as it's processing all of this information. But if the related posts are tagged and indexed by another service off of your website, then that means it's handling that processing, not your server. So your server just serves the information from another website. This also comes to the idea of a content distribution network or a CDN where files are distributed across the world so that if I'm in California and request a version of your page, I load the images and other files from a server in California. So it loads quicker for me. If I'm in New York, then it loads from a server maybe in New York City or in Atlanta or somewhere closer to where I physically am. This helps distribute the load on your server or reduce the load because it's loading these assets from other places. CDNs, the best ones, do cost money. Like I use Rackspace Cloud Files. You could also use Amazon CloudFront is the name of their cloud distribution network, not Amazon S3, that is not a CDN provider. There are other things too that can give you the ability to use CDN like Cloudflare or Jetpack even has some things built into it that can offload some of this processing. And the more you can offload, the better. Think about your analytics. Think about your comments system. Think about everything that loads on your site. Is it possible to offload it? It 
might be possible, and that can reduce the load on your server and instead relying on other services. Do keep in mind, though, there is a balance here that, for example, comments systems. If you're using Discuss, then it's loading the comments plugin from the Discuss servers, loading the comments from Discuss servers, the JavaScript, the CSS, the images, all of that from Discuss. It's loading a lot of stuff, but it's not hitting your website. It's loading from another website. Whereas on your website, maybe all it needs to do is just load the database of comments. It doesn't need the extra CSS, the extra JavaScript, the extra images, any of that. So it might actually be faster to use something that's built in instead of use something that is hosted somewhere else. It's a careful balance. You have to figure out what is more important. I think when it comes to a comment system and when it comes to interaction, the bigger importance is on the ease of use, not necessarily the speed of loading. That's why I continue to use and recommend Discuss as a comment plugin for WordPress. It makes the comment system much more robust than the built-in WordPress comment system. And it provides a lot of extra functionality and features that for me to do that on WordPress would take a lot more time and might slow down my server. But if I stuck with just the vanilla WordPress comment system, then it might load faster, but I'm missing all those features. So it's a trade-off. You really have to decide. That's number seven, offload when possible. So these seven ways to speed up your website without switching web hosting are number one, use a caching plugin. Number two, remove features or plugins. Number three, find better plugins. Number four, remove images. Number five, optimize images. Number six, display stuff only when needed. And number seven, offload when possible. Please go to the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash faster website and comment with your own ways that you've discovered that you can speed up your website for free or maybe some things that you felt like were worth paying for in order to have a faster website. Comment there on the show notes and that's also where you can get the link to the free download with the resources and tools that I recommend for a faster website or you can just go over to just add one word to the end of the show notes URL, the audacity to podcast.com slash faster website tools. And that gets you to that free download that you can have that lists several of those tools for having a faster website. Some of my recommendations too for use this instead of that. That's at the audacity to podcast.com slash faster website and slash faster website tools. The show notes for episode 202. Special thanks to Skim Batty from Canada for leaving a review for me on iTunes. Skim Batty said, common sense in podcasting. Daniel has a down-to-earth approach to producing a podcast, very knowledgeable and easy to listen to. I particularly appreciate his emphasis on producing a podcast without spending a lot of money. Thank you very much, Skim Batty, for that review on iTunes. If you'd like to read that full review, because that's just an excerpt of it, then check it out in the show notes for this episode over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash faster website. If you want to have your own podcast reviews emailed to you automatically from iTunes and Stitcher, then go over to My Podcast Reviews. I love using the service myself. It is so wonderful just to receive those review emails when I'm ready for them. Like today, what I have for the Audacity to Podcast is I have it set up that it checks for my reviews on a weekly basis and sends me those reviews Monday morning. 
So when I'm finalizing my preparations for an episode of the Audacity to Podcast, right there on that day, I have my latest podcast reviews so I can thank those people, give them little shout outs. I really appreciate having that. I've heard other people say things like, oh, my VA no longer has to waste hours trying to find out if there are any reviews. We just have them sent to us. And other people are hosting contests and doing amazing things with the reviews they're getting from my podcast reviews and learning how to have a dialogue and interact and engage with their audience quite a bit more because of this. I'm really excited to see what's going on with it. And there are some awesome features coming in the future, even more than what it currently has. So check that out at mypodcastreviews.com. And you can sign up for a premium plan where you get two or more podcasts now in a premium plan and you get weekly emails, sorting and filtering, Stitcher reviews, a lot more value in the premium plan. But there is also a free plan as well. That's it mypodcastreviews.com. I want to let you know that I am going to be taking a break for the Audacity to Podcast, so there won't be episodes on December 22nd or 29th. I'll be taking a Christmas and New Year's break then and working on my upcoming search engine optimization for podcasters complete course. I had a webinar this last weekend and it was a lot of fun, a lot of great questions about SEO for podcasters. And that was just the basics. This full course, which is now available for pre-order over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash SEO, will be released on January 6th. And it's looking already like it's three to four hours of content to teach you how to optimize your podcast for search engines and leverage other tools. It's a lot of fun. Please send me your feedback at feedback at theaudacitypodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903 231 2221, or send a voice message through the website at theaudacitypodcast.com. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com. Thank you for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcast.com and watch for the upcoming CES 2015 coverage over at tpn.tv.